Welcome to the Psychology of Case Management podcast, the show that helps you use psychological ideas to strengthen your relationship with your catastrophically injured clients and their professional network, so you can achieve more for your clients and feel more fulfilled in your role. Hi, and welcome to today's episode. I'm Dr. Shabnam Berry Khan, and our topic today is on boundaries and what that means to us in the personal injury world and what it means to us within the personal injury world as different professionals working with clients in different contexts and about different issues. It's a tricky topic and it's one where we want to think about our relationship with our clients within that to try and earn their trust and their confidence and their respect, while at the same time thinking about what we're trying to achieve within our professional status, within our our professional roles. And it's really important to establish all of this stuff early on. I think this topic is really crucial to how the rest of the case might pan out and what it might mean then to us and how we support our clients with their the difficult challenges that they might have. And of course, in the personal injury world, often there are challenges along the way. So how do we think about our boundaries while managing the aspect of client rapport and building up that relationship with our clients? And at what point do we know that we've crossed that line or that our clients have crossed that line, perhaps? So today we have Dr. Alice Nichols from PsychWorks Associates, who you, I'm sure, would have heard before on the podcasts. And we thought we'd have a sort of conversation today from two different perspectives, that of a case manager, which I will try and represent, and that of a psychologist, which will be represented by Alice. So I hope that makes sense. And um, of course, it will mean different things to you in your profession as you listen to this podcast. But I hope there's some useful bits that will come out of it. So Alice, welcome to today's episode. Hi, Shabnam. Thanks for having me. Uh, Not at all. It's good to have you back. About a very tricky topic, boundaries. In my mind, boundaries are fundamentally about trying to protect ourselves as professionals, uh, along with our clients. Um, And if we work for an organization or there is a a sort of business element to it, we're trying to protect our business as well. And the boundaries are meant to ensure that the relationships between these different sort of entities remains professional, even when working on some fairly personal or difficult issues. Mm. And it's it's tricky. Psychologists yeah. are very good. They're very, uh, psychologists have a very particular viewpoint about boundaries. I'm wondering if that's a good place to start. Like, what do boundaries mean, I suppose, from the psychologist's perspective? So from a psychology perspective, when we're thinking about boundaries, I think a lot of the time we're going back to attachment theory and thinking about how when we're, when we're children, when we're actually babies, we are taught by our parents like what other people can do for us and what we need to do for ourselves and we know from the attachment theory research that when babies and children get get a consistent message about what what their parents are able to do for them and what they can't do for them they grow up to develop the skills that you know as as long as the parents did the the things that were most important they, they grow up to have the skills to sort of look after themselves and regulate themselves and in fact we know I mean, it's, it's not a particularly nice piece of research, but we know that children who are horribly neglected and the parents don't meet any of their needs actually do better psychologically 
often the children whose parents are fail to meet their needs most of the time, but occasionally do meet their needs. And that's because when those children, it, when those children learn that they occasionally get their needs met, they actually just continue to escalate their distress in the hope that at some point their parent will meet their needs. So you get people who grow up to not be able to meet their needs because they're still hoping that someone's going to do it, but they've had all that experience of not having their needs met. Um, right. Whereas the child who very sadly is neglected, don't get me wrong, it's still not a good outcome, but it's a better outcome in terms of them just learning that other people won't meet their needs, so they'll just become entirely self-reliant. You know, that's not a desirable outcome, but it's more desirable than the person who doesn't learn to meet their own needs at all. Yeah. Um, and continues to be seeking it out in other people. Yeah, um, yeah. As psychologists, we're kind of holding in mind that we want to be really clear about what we're able to provide to people and what we're not able to provide to them because we want people to come to therapy and to use therapy in a helpful way, but we also can't be there for them for their whole lives all of the time. So we want them to to have the skills between sessions and eventually when they finish therapy for the rest of their lives, just do not need us. So I think from a psychology perspective, we want to make sure someone is, is contained and actually some of feeling contained is knowing what someone will provide and when they will provide it. So if you imagine going back to um, the, the baby, and maybe I'm not talking a tiny baby, but maybe um, maybe a two-year-old, they know they're going to get lunch. They know that food comes quite regularly. They know that they get their, their, their lunch, they get a snack and they get um, dinner. Um, and those happen you know, roughly two hours apart. They just come to trust that they're going to get what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and with therapy and adults who need therapy, they, they come to trust that they're going to see you and you're going to help them meet their needs you know, on a weekly or a fortnightly basis. Um, and that actually in between, they can manage that. Yeah. So I feel like safety, security is something that you're, you know, that, that, that those early, those early attachment ex, uh, experiences teaches yeah. some, you know, teaches people. people. So yeah, that's it. People feel safe if they know what to expect. Yeah. They know what to expect and when to expect it. You know, even if it's not great, you know, even if you don't actually like mum's spaghetti bolognese, then you know you're <laughs> going to get it every Friday. You know you're going to get fed. You know, you know, you know that actually you're going to be fed that week. Um, yeah, that, that's that day. Um, yeah. So this is, I guess, this, this is kind of my key, my key thinking with all boundaries work is where you set them isn't quite so important as that they're consistent and that they're well communicated so people know what to expect and when to expect it and that's that's why generally psychologists do have quite strict boundaries between when they will and won't talk to clients and when they will um, respond to emails or phone calls and those sorts of things we do try and keep the therapy within the therapy session and sometimes we might think clients actually need a therapy session more than once a week they might need support from someone else at other points in the week you know it's not that we would them off and not support someone who needed support but that we would be very clear about what we were offering and when we were offering it and mm. how to get their needs met outside of sessions if that's not something that was coming easily to them mm. and already already I can see just how different that would be to our uh you know to the boundaries that would be set by our law colleagues and our case management yeah. in the case management world so how does um, it work in case management because obviously you're providing a very different service in some ways yeah no we are and it's um well as you know of working with case managers we are sort of available 
usually I want to say your regular working week, Monday to Friday, mm-hmm. nine till five. Some of the bigger organizations will manage that with uh, sort of crisis lines after a certain time, five thirty, six o'clock, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the weekends, and obviously that highlights already how difficult, uh, how different, different that would be for a, say, a, a one-man band uh, case management organization, uh, sort of sole practitioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in terms of managing that, some of the challenges that are obviously not going to be necessarily time specific just between nine and five Monday to Friday of course but you know just coming back to the idea that you know we we generally do work nine till five but it's not specifically on any one client at any one time unless of course there is a formal Mm. meeting you know if we do have a formal meeting that's blocked out of our diary and we a lot of people will a lot of my my uh, case management peers will have a like a a message on their phone for example saying you know if I'm not able to answer it's because I'm driving or I'm in a meeting Mm. But the assumption is pretty much there that you are a case manager, you are full time, although I guess that would be communicated and should be communicated if you're not um, Mm. for that sense of security and safety. And and, um, as you've mentioned before, but otherwise you you are because you're working in the context of um, sort of social care within the role of a, of a case manager, the boundaries do become very different. And I think they, in some ways, are harder to define because mm. you want to be client focused and client focused means that it can come up at any time. Um, yeah. And ultimately, you want to be led by the client. You know, we talk about person-centered care and client-led needs, and there isn't going to necessarily be a timing for that. But ultimately, we also want to make sure that no physical or emotional harm is going to come to our clients and um but at the same time we want to to maintain a a safe working environment for ourselves because we're also human and we have lives outside of a outside of work and Mm. I think it's it can make things quite tricky to understand exactly what our boundaries are yeah in case management on top of that another layer um, you may have heard of the the case manager creed, which is sort of a an informal kind of definition of what case managers are, uh, yeah. you know, what they do. And it's literally jack of all trades. You know, you're an electrician one day. You might be a, you know, uh, you know, someone managing the care team the other another day. You'll be the person that helps them helps a client book a holiday to uh, thinking about the, the plumbing needs in the house, to, to being, mm. uh, you know, someone who can uh, find a house for a client. Uh, you know, like the, it's, there's so many things that a case manager can get involved in that you can see by the nature of the work how the boundaries would need to be quite clear in order yeah. to allow that relationship to develop, you know, within a safe connection, if you like but also allows you to be able to do the job that you think you need to do, which given all the different, you know, all the different descriptions that, that come under the title case manager, it can be yeah. really tricky. But I also know law colleagues will say that, you know, I, you know, I got called up when, when the client was going through crisis or, or was struggling with a certain aspect, which isn't specifically related to the role that that solicitor otherwise would have professionally with that client. So I can see how, it, how tough it is. But I think what you said earlier, consistency is a really important um, yeah. 
mm. aspect of all of this. It's not really what the boundary is so much as can you consistently uphold it when you look at the yeah. whole of your life as a sort of timetable, if you like, or a picture. Is it that you can allow your clients to completely spill over it and and therefore it, there are no challenges to that boundaries from other aspects of your life, in which case, you know, I guess maybe some people can do it like that. Other people would have families maybe or other you know uh, engagements in life that mean that actually no they can't yeah um, I was be available all the time about sustainability which is what you're talking mm. about really isn't it here is, is actually totally. is it sustainable like with your own needs because if it's not then you're not yeah. going to be able to do it consistently so that, no. that's a really kind of key point when you're talking about the other things that you're balancing in your life as a case manager is if yeah. I sustainably provide this and I think something you've touched on already is and actually what does this therapeutic alliance need as well right now mm. because in our therapeutic alliance podcast we talked about how sometimes you might need to do you might need to step sort of slightly outside of your role or or mm. I guess away from your kind of key focus with that client just in order to like to get them engaged yeah. um, and to build some rapport so I can see how actually how those boundaries are they're so much more I mean potentially flexible um, mm. in terms of what the role is but also yeah. how it feels like they need to be negotiated almost on a case-by-case basis yeah I think the the other complication you could say with the in the case management world is um, that we're not just working within our professional boundaries as a psychologist in my case or uh, an OT in colleagues cases or social work professional boundaries that we've le- that we've learned to be a professional within it's there are also yeah. other frameworks that we have to think about that um will impinge on you know what mm. professional means in inverted commas there are legal frameworks that are ethical organizational you know gdpr for example or in in the case mm. of case managers cqc you know all of these other frameworks come into play as well yeah it can be really difficult to know what those are when, as I, I mentioned in the introduction, that it, it's something that you probably want to start with when you're trying to build that relationship with your client. And you have to somehow manage all of those different frameworks in your mind in order to get the best out of what you can offer and what your client needs for that safety. And it's really tough to balance all of that. Yeah. So, and what are the expectations in terms of uh, returning calls um, mm. in, say inside working hours to begin with and then we'll, we can move on to outside but inside working hours what what's the expectation or what would you say is reasonable practice yeah it's a good question again it is you know personal and I mm. so I'll talk maybe a little bit from my sort of personal um perspective to some degree but I mean I suppose your t's and c's for me that um should be the formal definition I suppose of what you were doing and for example in our ours we always try and say that we will you know we always say that we will return communications within 24 hours Uh um, unless it's an emergency um, in which case or an an urgent query in which case you know that is you know that that would be dealt with differently and and should be um, Mm. dealt with differently but I think that you know you can have as many things written down on a piece of paper that someone saw way back when and then puts in a filing cabinet or whatever. Mm. You know, actually, it's the everyday relationship that really defines those boundaries. So for me, 
I'm, I'm often very open and I, and this is what I, I will I say to our, uh, in supervision to our, to our um, associates as well, that it, it's, you know, it's about saying, you know, this is, you know, I, I know I, I want to speak to you about X, Y, or Z, but I know I'm going to be busy in meetings over the, you know, period, X period of time, whatever on these days, how about, and I try, I do try and block out a sort of window where I can say, well, how about we speak between X time and X time? Because that feels like it's going to work for me. It's containing for my client um, mm. and allows us to kind of have a, a sort of sense of protection around that yeah. space that we want to talk about this important issue. Um, and that's we quite a nice... know what the issue is. But yeah, <laughs> yeah that's really nice. The nice way of kind of saying, I hear that you've got a need and I'm going to meet it, but I can't meet it right now. But, yeah. But they yeah. don't know when to expect you to meet that need. Yeah. I've got I a mean, case management mm. colleague who, who, who does say to people, one client in particular, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm going to phone you at this time, and yeah. it really helps the client to just then feel contained. Yeah, sort of have a yeah. That day. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, it helps me as well because there are mm. so many things going on for any one client, usually at any one time, mm. and it just gives me that sort of space to be able to say, actually, I'm going to try and call this client between one and two, so I know I've got to make sure that number one, I book that meeting at a time sorry that 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 um appointment if you like informal appointment at a time where I know that if I've, if I've been in a meeting beforehand it's not if it does spill over it's not going to spill over into this client's sort of this window that I've allocated that I'm, and I've declared got to be accountable for that at the end of the day I guess you know mm. um otherwise I could just say anything and then that just you know that will go completely against any rapport building that you're trying to do but I, you know that's what yeah. I've, I've sort of promised that's what I've promised within the realms of it being actually doable. Yeah. And unless something like say urgent or, or in, in an emergency capacity comes up, that client will get a phone call, but it gives me the space to kind of go, right. Okay. If something happens, I can still try and jig it around, but also it gives me the headspace to go and kind of say, okay, well, let me put aside that other client's needs for now. Or let me just debrief, you know, from that meeting I've just had, let me get into the headspace of this client. Let me, sort of immerse myself in what has been last going on for this client I mean maybe that's just me but I can't hold it and yeah maybe my other case management clients that uh, colleagues are saying you know you know I I can do this you know easily I don't need that gap that time that space Mm. but I can't do that I really want to get in the zone of what am I doing for this client it's only like five or ten minutes I'm not talking for like hours or anything like that but just kind of read through some previous emails maybe about that particular topic that I think they're going to raise or they, that they've declared that they want to talk about. And I just try and remember where I am with it. And, yeah. you know, what am I, or how are we progressing? You know, where, what is it that I need to feed back to them? That's really, for me, I, that's really important. But the boundaries help yeah. me be that type of case manager to that client yeah. that, um, you know, may or may not be tricky. I don't know, but I find it's particularly helpful when I yeah. have a trickier client, it has to yeah, be that's said. A really nice point. And I do something similar before every therapy session. I do just have five or 10 minutes, just, ah. just preparing myself and just reading yeah. back through the last, even if it's just the last bit of notes. Just, mm. just like you say, to get, get yourself in the zone. And actually it means that you're, you're able to be much more um, in tune and much more present with them than when yes. you do speak to them. Far better than if they just caught you in the middle of something else and you're trying yes. to respond to them straight away and you can't remember yeah. what they're talking about because you know, no. it's not in the right place. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I do, I just, even though that does happen, of course it happens. 
But I think from a sort of trying to think sort of cost effectively about it, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to take a bit longer with a client that I haven't had that headspace with who yeah. I then call up afterwards, as opposed to someone calling me out of the blue and saying, hey, do you remember? And I'll be, I may in some cases be thinking, crikey, no, I don't actually. I'm sorry. No, um, and I, and I, you know, managing my boundaries in that case, I will say to my client, I'm really sorry. And it's really difficult to say that. Um, but I, you know, can you remind me where we are with that? And I don't feel good about saying that particularly, but it's the truth. Um, and yeah. I'd rather the truth dictates where we are rather than me trying to style it out and be like, oh yeah, no. Oh yeah, that thing you were talking about. Oh, and then I'm clicking in the background on my email thinking, bloody hell, what was it? And it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's really, it, it, you know, in that sense, case management has been a big challenge for me as a trained psychologist to be able to kind of, you know, my, think- work with that really that's quite a nice example of I guess almost like a mental boundary isn't it that you need around Mm. clients and actually how I guess you're communicating to the client that you can't hold them entirely in your mind they're not the only thing in your mind all of the work today um and that's okay you know that's not the service you're offering um no that's it that's exactly I'm gonna make some space for you and I will think about you properly then it's much a much more kind of consistent way of showing up yeah no I uh, yeah exactly and I I I try and do that as much as I can obviously Mm. like I say but it's it's something um, I read once it it was described as um working within your competence and Mm. I really like that phrase it it kind of really connected with me because it's something about realizing that there's or or having an understanding of the limitations of the role but also Mm. of my personal abilities actually um, and that that also helps me work out when I need to perhaps delegate the particular task to a um, an assistant case manager. If for those of us who work with the assistant model, I know a lot of us don't. But for me, I can say actually it's not necessarily me that you need to speak to. But here, you know, here is an assistant who will be able to support you if if needed. Um, so yeah. it's kind of knowing, you know, and that may not be just even within the case management role. It might be, oh, crikey, that's a question about, you know, um, physio. Can I, can I ask you to talk to the physio about that? Or, or, you know, that's a question for the deputy. You know, like knowing at what, you know, I don't, I can't be, every, you know, everything to every client. I just can't. And, yeah. and knowing where that lies is such a safe place for me to be. And mm. they get the best of me that way you know and I don't feel so stressed yeah I just don't feel I've got to always have the answers that way it's taken a long time to get to that place of course because you know like anyone when they start any job you kind of and you know by nature we're all rescuers let's be honest that's why we're doing what we're doing you know if you want to think of it in that sort of psychodynamic triangle it's 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 a real it's a role that 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 does appeal quite naturally to to us and I wonder it's good myself. to recognize that isn't it yeah 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 and I wonder in myself actually is, is there a reason I've become a case manager is it because I do like doing you know more than say being a psychologist would have allowed me to do um yeah. you know because you can get things done how many times yeah. I guess as you as a, as a psychologist has sat there with a client and thought gosh all you need is an OT 
my god yeah. <laughs> can we just get an you ot just and someone then... to fill in this blooming form for you yeah. yes yeah. exactly and as a case manager it's so it's so gratifying to be able to just say i, I think we need an ot and then talk to the client yeah. they they agree they're like yeah that was a bloody good idea just get the job done talk to the deputy get all the, you know the, the discators whatever you know get the funding sorted and bam you've got an ot you know obviously recruit an ot and and actually that's it's it's a nice sort of uh, you know way to work with clients rather than specifically in a you know and I think that's one thing I do value but I can also see how I can get carried away with it because of that you know awareness if you like of um, working within my competence as opposed to just doing whatever I'm thrown at because I can see how working within your competence could actually be in conflict with being client focused to some degree where you want you're expected to place the needs of your client whoever's on your caseload at the center of um you know sort of any work that you're doing and any decisions that need to be made but actually um that there are you know it, it not outside of your competence or your personal capabilities of course yeah. but it, i think you've really sometimes you've got to teach yourself that you've got to learn that and when we step into the case management role i think given that pretty much everyone is going to come from a different walk of life, either, you know, sort of professional walk of life or, or um, sort of vocationally. It's, you know, it's, it's an, a new set of boundaries and um, limitations that you have to, and competencies that you have to work out for yourself. And I yeah. suspect people kind of go one way and then go the extreme other way and then kind of work out that happy medium in the middle. Yeah. That and actually that kind of brings me on to like, Right, like a, a, another question that's related, but how do you mm. know if your boundaries are not where they should where they should be? Mm. It feels so wrong. That's my quick answer, but I think it's all, probably also my most honest answer. It is that sense of feeling how you are with a client. It's not an intellectual pursuit always with our clients at all, yeah. but it's that sense of gosh, I'm feeling a bit pressured. I'm feeling like I can see it's not this isn't what the client is uh, expecting of me. And some of that might be an unreal and, or an unconscious pushing of against a boundary. Mm. Sometimes it might not be. It might be a conscious pushing against a boundary. But in me, I can really sense that this doesn't seem right. And that sort of intuitive voice, that inner voice that says, this needs to be thought about. I, I, and I, I don't, you know, in any one moment I, of, of feeling that feeling, I, I wouldn't necessarily know what that, um, you know, what to do by, by that. But that's often when I'll say to a client, I'll have to think about that. That's a really interesting point because I don't want to give them, you know, a quick yes, you know, or a quick no, even for that matter, um, you know, depending on what the question is. But I, I, I think it, if that feeling is there, it needs some address. And actually, sometimes it needs addressing before the answer to the question can be made available. Um, yeah, it, I'm really getting that, that feeling. I know what you mean, that kind yeah. of uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. I, I tend to feel yeah. one of two things when my boundaries aren't right. And one of them yeah. is resentful, which is like mm. a nice way to feel about your client. But that's a real red flag for me. If I start to feel resentful mm. about anything, it normally means I'm... I've, I've stepped beyond something I'm comfortable with and mm. you know probably for some time and actually I, when I first started in private practice I used to offer evening appointments mm. and um 
people really want to, but people always ask. And I was like keen to get people on board. And so I did offer to people in the evenings. And it was all right to begin with. I coped with it. But then occasionally people wouldn't show up. And I'd have booked this room and I'd be sitting in the tree oh, on the, the yeah. evening that I could have been spending with my children or in front of the telly. Mm. And I resented it so much. And I just thought, actually, that's, that's a sign, isn't it? That, yeah. that I can't do this. This isn't mm. the right boundary for me. And, you know, there was nothing mm. unprofessional about it. You know, I didn't express my resentment to my client. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think just realising that that was the reaction I was having was enough to make me think, mm. oh, okay, this boundary is not in the right place for me. I can go the other way. But I think the other times I realise my boundaries aren't in the right place is when I feel myself wanting to break my, my normal boundaries. So my normal boundaries, by that I don't mean in terms of what I do, because what I do is pretty straightforward. Mm. But in terms of my time, again, if I find myself wanting to offer an evening yeah. appointment to somebody or wanting yeah. to return to return yes. email straight away, that's quite unusual for me. Um, mm. And that kind of suggests I'm really, I'm really responding to something in them that's quite uncontained, and I'm obviously wanting to rescue them. And you know, as I said before, that I don't, that's not part of my role. My role is, mm. my role is to do therapy at that time, and I mean, it may be more frequent at times if needed, but not not to be on tap all the time and no. um, so I think that's again that's like a real warning sign for me that my boundaries are yeah yeah and that's yeah that's a really that's it that's I think how that plays out in case management or you know with um perhaps even with our, our legal colleagues as well I can imagine at least how I understand that second feeling of mm. kind of wanting to um you know, kind of wanting to respond immediately or quickly or in a way that is different to how you would normally perhaps or something along those lines can sometimes be harder to pick up because we don't, because it's not going to be a contained hour, say, like it would be in psychology or maybe in physio or AT work where you've got your session, it's a clear session, your client is seen and managed in that time directly at least anyway and then you know you 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 then see them the next time you've booked it, it, because it's all you, you almost um that sense can be very quickly you know within I can imagine within a few interactions very quickly corroded from whatever you think theoretically you ought to be you know wherever that boundary ought to be to oh well it, it worked out all right last time oh you know they're fine they, you know mm. and and I, I think that's the bit that I find quite I've noticed in in um, in colleagues and uh, and sometimes in supervision as well, just that pull, that desire to to help, and how that actually is a very useful tool mm. in trying to understand what is it. Is that being client led, or is that being yeah. professionally led? Because actually, we're in quite a pa- position of power because we might say yes one time, and then the next time because of some other reason, or maybe because of of a of a personal uh you know an internal kind of driven idea we might say no Mm. and the power that we hold in saying yes or no has to be based on something that's quite core to who you are as an individual otherwise Mm. it could be seen as using power in an imbalanced you know unhelpful way ultimately to the client yeah um and I, i think as case managers we we may we can't I'm not saying we do but I'm just saying potentially I can see how that could happen because the interactions are frequent they're often 
sort of a, a phone call out of the blue or an email that needs to be dealt with. And it's hard to know how your band, boundaries are kind of set, are set with an email interaction, then a telephone call. And then a, it, it's got to be something much more removed from that type of interaction. But it's often how you respond to that interaction that can dictate what you then, how you then respond and when you then respond and, you know, what you're offering your support for. Yeah. So I guess when you're starting off in a, a case management client relationship, you are mm. initially you might be in contact quite frequently and that can kind of set the tone for how often the client is then expecting to speak with you. Yeah. Um, so that's a, it's a very, it's not a very well-defined boundary, is it? Because it's, it's, um, it's something that's kind of happening quite um, organically. So, yeah. You know, you maybe phone them once every day for three days in a row. They're going to start to expect that you're phoning them every day. And yeah, and I guess that could that could potentially continue. Yeah. And that's difficult because as a case manager, you know that there is a limit to the funding that's available to you, just like there is with any client work, with any professional and personal injury world. But, it, it, you know, maybe our law colleague, um, legal uh, colleagues will sort of relate to this a little bit but it you know it's not like you've got x number of hours sort of that have to be used up or or that um mm-hmm. you know you've it's it's about the relationship I mean it, usually it's sort of 10 to 15 hours you know you, that's what expert care reports often indicate um as being reasonable case management um involvement mm-hmm. 10 to 15 hours a month that's not yeah. actually a very long time when you've got a very perhaps mm-hmm. Uh, needy client or perhaps when there's a crisis or if you're doing a big uh, piece of work like I don't know recruiting to a care team um, or you know getting involved with EHCP or something it's you know that that works out roughly to be about three hours a week which is half a day which is it's not a huge amount no, um, if you're having a phone call every day, that's getting eaten up very quickly. Oh, totally. And that's just with the client. Of course, as a case manager, you've got to deal yeah. with that entire package of therapy and care, not yeah. to mention coordinating it all with the, you know, the legal teams and, and writing reports and, you know, catching up with X, Y and Z. It's not a huge amount at all, but it seems to be currently what the, the sort of going rate is. Um, but you can see how easily you will slip into more hours. Um, for a client who is on the needier side and I think in that sense being very clear about your boundaries and and being able to um, think about the client the client goals and, and that's when it comes back to that sort of framework that you know a different framework that perhaps guides you that's maybe a bit more CQC oriented or perhaps um, you know in line with uh, you know some of the, the goals that have been set out um, in the care plans, etc., and, and the um, and in your case management update reports, and and really sticking, you know, to that in in some, you know, in some way. But at the same time, and I can think of um, some cases I've had over the years where I'm thinking, crikey, that just wouldn't have worked for, for you know, in in at certain times. You know, we've had all sorts of you know emotional crises um, with some of our clients because it's an emotional game at the end of the day we are talking about very traumatized clients and families so it's not just the boundary with that individual client it's also often with the families um, particularly when there's a child case uh, client involved you know you aren't often talking to the child of course you're talking to the parents sometimes parents um, 
and in some cases where there are sort of separate parent households it could get really busy um so three hours is not a lot um so managing those boundaries within the context of that client's needs um is yeah it's it's not easy it's tough it's tough Mm. but I think one way to manage the the pressures of the financial element at least anyways being really clear with your legal um, teams about about that and making your um, case management reports very clear about the additional needs that are required at that moment you know in that that reporting period Um, because I think the communication like why is it that you're doing what you're doing not in a defensive you know got to justify yourself way I just mean in a reflective human rapport building that's the name of the game yeah it's just you know it's just as important as getting a care team in place or you know getting that you know that that school setting um you know you know to to, to be more efficient or whatever it is all of that is is um important stuff so what do you do if you feel like your boundaries aren't where they should be when you get that, so you get that feeling that something's not right, that something's mm. off your boundaries. What do you do? I hate that place. <laughs> I just yeah. have to make that clear. <laughs> I hate it when that happens because it, the only thing, the big, the most, um, not the only thing, but the biggest, single biggest effective strategy I have is I have to talk it out. Yeah. Um, and I have to talk it out with the client or whoever it is. And, and, and it's a really often like the times that I've done it more recently, it's, it's a really open, frank discussion that brings in, you know, the, the recognition of the situation, you know, the, the, the pressures that, that I understand the client to be in. And it obviously it's different for each client, but and acknowledging that and, and, but also at the same time, trying to help them see the perspective of, you know, a, a wider caseload that I, have um alongside some of the you know the the clear limitations that you know the litigation type limitations and trying to be very sort of problem focused as in solution focused Mm. about what we do about this situation because to some degree in some cases it may well be that my hands are tied because actually the hours of you know are excessive and it's difficult to to know how to uh, you know, I don't think there's a you know justification perhaps for it, you know, at this mm. stage, but we'll bear it in mind. But you know, what can we do instead? Is there someone else kind of broadening out yeah. that idea of who else is in your sphere of help in your yeah. support network? It can't just be me. And I think yeah. that's a really important core boundary, maybe that case managers, certainly uh, the ones that I speak to and, and one that we try and, and build in, in SBK case management is that idea that, you know, we can't, you can't be dependent on me. You absolutely yeah. can't. That is not good for yeah. you. That's not good for me. We do need to um, remember that there are other people and, and, and really thinking about who could be best. I'm not saying I'm turning yeah. a client away because, you know, sometimes we are the first no. course of call. Often we are. And that's okay. And I know that yeah. takes the heat of our legal colleagues and it helps share the responsibility with, say, MDTs or psychologists, or other people working um, with the clients. But it isn't to say that we, we have to be the one that solves that particular problem either. But no, sometimes I, that can be a very tricky conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I imagine. I also imagine that actually out of those conversations, what you'll end up hopefully finding is 
is actually what the unmet need is or what the need is that is you know that, that is pushing the hours up or is, yes. is meaning that they're asking for for more than you can really yeah. provide and actually maybe it's about getting a PA or um a team leader involved or yeah. um yeah. I don't know a handyman yeah. you know sometimes it's like it's practical things that people are after isn't it and they just don't they, you know they're they're kind of too anxious about to sort it out for themselves and yeah. maybe like having a plan for what they'll do in this scenario and this scenario and this scenario yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and I think in some cases, however, I have to say that there, and I'm, I'm thinking again of my own caseload over the years, where there has been such emotional distress that has, before um, an MDT has been put in place, before, you know, it, the, these happen to be cases where they're fairly new or they haven't, mm. ju- they just haven't had that support network in place. And so you enter as probably the only professional outside of the legal team, of course, um, where you are kind of there on the ground with your client. And it's those clients that I find the most difficult to, you have to reset the boundaries with them eventually. Yeah. But you know, going in that there actually isn't a support network around them. And that takes time to build up. And of course that has always been the goal. And in Mm. in fact, the one that we have achieved at the end of the day, but in that interim period, which, as we know, you set the you know the, the rules and the, the, the boundaries are set right at the beginning, um, and you're available all the time to those clients. And suddenly, you've got to say, "I'm not available anymore." But that yeah. that's a you know that process of a sort of separating, if you like, has to be done very carefully, very methodically, um, yeah. and very sort of, I think, very proactively rather than just sort of not being available suddenly or yeah um, absolutely I, I think that's, that's that can happen sometimes when people kind of think oh no you know my boundaries have gone I'm just I'm, mm-hmm. I am you know has managed actually to say to, to sort of to, to sit down and talk to somebody about it but then also yeah. to say should we have some set times to check in this week rather than yes like you know just having a free whenever time. Yeah. yeah yeah I'll phone you I don't know I'll phone you at two o'clock on a Wednesday and yeah. then I'll check in again at nine o'clock on a Monday at, yeah sorry, Friday but you know or whatever but but just so that there's a bit of containing structure in place for Definitely. them. Mm, absolutely. And sometimes it might, that need that process may need to happen with someone else as well. Yeah. So they see that that other professional in the network around them, you know, can serve that for that, that purpose as well. And that, that that's okay. Um, yeah. And that's a really nice idea actually as well. Cause you know, at some point you might be on holiday or you might be off sick and actually yeah. just having someone else in your team that you can, that, that, that it's also a familiar face for the client is yeah. it's really nice when that happens yeah yeah well that's that's certainly the the rationale behind um the way we run SBK case management because while I'm not taking on personally any new clients I insist on seeing or meeting the the client um at the first meeting so they kind of know that you know that there is a, a sort of face mm. to this um organization and and that actually I may well be at the end of a crisis line um yeah. if it's you know if I'm on duty for example and you know it takes away a little bit of the 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 uh the unfamiliarity and the pressures of being uh you know in a, in a crisis moment knowing that ah okay I don't know Shabnam very well but I know of her and I've met her and I hopefully thought she was all right um you know yeah. enough to to know that if she does if she is the one that picks up the crisis you know the phone uh you know at the, at the end of the crisis line then that's that's cool but yeah it's 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 really it's really interesting and I 
I suppose in some ways there probably are some universal truths, aren't they, around, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do to think about your clients? Where is it that um, we should be, how should we start thinking about where our boundaries are, particularly if we're new to a client or, or, or there are circumstances that make boundaries a bit trickier to define? You're not, say, stepping into a, a previous case manager's shoes, perhaps, where you know, there, there's, you know, sort some kind of system in place or, um, you know, or you're not fresh to case management, if you like. I suppose what you said early on is that sense of having clear and consistent boundaries. Yeah, key. right from the start. Absolutely yeah. key. So what would be our top tips then, do you think, Dr. Nichols, um, in terms of being able to support the idea of the concept of boundaries, which is going to be different for each person and is going to, um, you know, need obviously everyone to think about it for themselves and for their clients and in their profession and with whatever the context is. I know we've talked about some a few things, and the one thing that sticks to my mind uh, that comes to my mind is that concept of clarity and consistency with boundaries um, when yeah. you're going to be available, uh, how how you can be, you know, contacted, and for how long they need to, uh, you know, that they know that they've got you or that they have to wait before they get you. That kind of thing, you know, feels key to some of, um, you know, I I think what you said is really wise at the beginning. Um, It's not really what the the boundaries are. It's more kind of, can you maintain them? um, Yeah, are they clear and consistent and sustainable? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think notice if you're feeling like they've flipped or they're not being respected and identify Mm. the reasons for that. I I do sometimes need to take it to supervision. It's not always immediately clear. Mm -hmm. Um, But generally, I've either been inconsistent or there's an unmet need. And um, maybe I'm feeling emotionally responsible for the client. And I've kind of talked about ways of addressing that. Uh, And I think it's okay to have made a mistake with this. You know, we are human. We will get pulled into wanting to rescue people, particularly people that are really distressed and don't have Mm -hmm. a support network around them. Yeah. But we need to address it. And I think you're right. Um, as you said, earlier, to actually sit down and have a difficult conversation. Often yeah. not as difficult as we imagine it's going to be, actually. Yeah. It always, it feels, it's like just getting started feels tricky. But then yeah, it, it, yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I would, I would say a, a top tip almost is kind of remembering our power in the relationship yeah. with our clients. I know I kind of gobbled on about it earlier, but... I guess it's the idea of holding in mind that, you know, we, one of, one of us in a client professional relationship holds the power and is, you know, we're trained, you know, specifically to do a particular job and we need to be supportive to, to the, to the client, but it doesn't, it, it will fall into our lap as to when we can do it and how we can do that. And even though it may not be a conscious sort of, you know, thought in our minds. I think we have to acknowledge that that we do. We are in a position of extreme power, really, and we have to behave responsibly. You know, with that, and it, it, you know, it, it's not something that you know we can sort of step aside from, actually, because it's just built into the very nature of being a professional, and and that imbalance is in the favour of the professional. Usually, yeah. it might not feel it all the time, like when you were saying earlier about being emotionally feeling emotionally responsible for the client um you know it may well feel that oh gosh the client's very in control here because I'm feeling what I'm feeling and that's definitely something to take to supervision but yeah. 
you know, I think it, maybe it's about pay, power playing both ways, but it's, it's definitely something that, that, that is there. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's okay to have made a mistake with your boundary, but address it with, mm. the, with the client and make sure that the client has strategies in place to meet their needs when you're not available or when, or when they're asking you to step too far out of your role. Actually make sure that they do know where to go with that so that yeah. you're not just leaving them uncontained you're, you're, you know you're saying this is what you can do in this situation and I'll support you to do this but not yeah. that you'll do all of it yeah yeah no definitely I think it's it's also in the knowledge of knowing that you've you know if the relationship has strayed into some sort of personal areas it's going to be harder to maintain you know all those professional boundaries really and you know that sometimes is you know you know that that's a slippery slope so and is staying away from that somewhat um, without losing the rapport, of course, can be very helpful as well. I feel like we could probably go on with different tips and ideas about what could mm. be helpful, but I think this is just a, a starter for 10, really, isn't it? As an idea yeah. that boundaries are kind of core to our role. And it's not often something, certainly in the years that I've been a case manager, it's not something that has ever come up in training or something that you often see as a as a sort of obvious thing to think about you know um outside of our professional development you know our our professional um uh where we've come from professionally I mean obviously as a psychologist um it's like the second word you ever learn (laughs) yeah (laughs) in uh in in our training it's it's so important I mean there's a whole question you know whole issue around self-disclosures within all of this as well um which we didn't touch on but maybe that's another uh, episode for another time really yeah there's so much we could we could talk more about specific scenarios couldn't we I think yeah 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 yeah. another day yeah no definitely definitely but I think yeah this is just this is just sort of a, a food for thought introduction really so our audience um can maybe think with us and um help us to you know and hopefully some ideas um have helped if not just reinforce the idea that our boundaries do need to be revisited all the time and we do do that in sort of micro levels all the time but um I do think um it's probably something for supervision it's something for our own personal reflections and and it is something that that um, may result in tricky conversations, but not detrimental to our client rapport. I think we have to accept yeah. that uh, and and be okay with that. Um, knowing is better than you know fudging it, you know, and trying to to you know make it work when Absolutely. we all know it probably isn't. All right, thank you so much, Alice well, Nichols, yet again for your um, your insight and your thoughts. Really interesting um, what you were saying as well at the beginning of uh, you know from the psychological attachment perspective so I hope that's been helpful for our audience as well well I guess uh we shall wrap it up for today and um we you know if you found this helpful do um drop us a line make a a comment or um you know message us directly about um any thoughts you might have had and um we'll definitely really be happy to take it um forward with you all right all the best for now thank you for listening take care bye bye you go if you enjoyed the episode today i'd really appreciate it if you could rate it on whatever platform you're listening on and share and like on your social media profiles 
Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow and to be a continuous resource for all. And if there's any topic you wish for us to cover, please drop us a line on our website. Thank you so much for all your support.